tuning in to another episode of TA Tech Unboxed, the video podcast is unboxing the tools that talent HR folks use every day. Each episode, we're chatting with the people behind the code, why they chose to dedicate their work lives to us, and if you're not already watching on YouTube, we'll be challenging our guests to run a super tight sub-seven-minute demo and Q&A, which we'll only be hosting uh, on on the YouTube channel. So, you know, jump into the the description of this uh, video podcast and you'll uh, be able to go and watch that. Um, Don't forget also, if you're a first-time listener, to head to episode one. Um, I'm Chris Haslam and my co-host, Mr. Darren Bush. Hello, Mr. Darren Bush. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Good. Um, Pretty hot, but yeah, apart from that, it's all good. Toasty today, isn't it? It's uh, going to be a difficult one. It's going to be a hot pod today. I hope so. (laughs) On on all counts. On all counts. (laughs) So, Mr. Darren Bush, who do we have on this week's show? Yeah, we've got a great guest today. Uh, He calls himself the AR Optimist, a former product manager. He co-founded MetaView in 2018 and is fast becoming one of the top productivity tools for recruiters worldwide. MetaView, if you don't know it, is an AI-powered interview note-taker loved by recruiters and companies such as Brex and Cora. It's a pleasure to have him on the show. Welcome, Sile Magos. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks so much, Chris. Awesome to be here. No problem at all. Um, so we normally start with um, kind of maybe about your background and um, you know where you're from and how you set up MetaView. Yeah, so uh, background is uh, really on the product side of things, product side of the shop. So uh, immediately before starting MetaView, I was at Uber. I was there in 2016 and 2017. So it was a, a large scale up at that point, but it was still scaling incredibly quickly um, and was really struck by uh, a bunch of things. Frankly, it was really, really formative experience for me, I'd say. But one of the things I was struck by was how amazing sort of, I feel like my sort of powers as a product manager had been taken to the next level when I was there because I had incredible tooling, incredible instrumentation to help me make great decisions, data, data informed decisions, you know, as day to day as a product manager. But as I got more and more involved in hiring and building out the rest of like my team and other people's teams at Uber, uh, there was a load of rigor and structure that went into hiring. It was taken very seriously, but the actual tooling and and the, the, the instrumentation was really just like I'd experienced everywhere else, which was a bunch of people having conversations with a bunch of candidates, getting together, seeing if we get lucky enough to sort of all agree on the outcome by the end of it. Uh, and it just really struck me as one, I, I was a big believer in how high leverage hiring was, but it struck me as super um, tedious, really, um, uh, uh, really unreliable, the outcomes, and just basically inefficient, which really just actually reduced my my motivation over time to to be involved so heavily in hiring. I stuck to it because I, I, I tried to not let the sort of the, my, the, the I, I tried to let my better angels win, mm-hmm. but was really struck that, that even at sort of these elite high growth companies, hiring was still had a lot of those pitfalls and uh, started to think a lot about how, how, what, how could technology could, could change that. Did you have tooling in, in the, while you were at Uber, were there, were you using into tech at the time? Uh, no, so obviously there was a, a, uh, there, there was tooling, nothing that's equivalent to maybe some of the sort of more advanced products you see on the market now. This was I was there. I've been you know obviously working with Metaview as you mentioned since 2018, so this is over five years ago now. Um, we had um, essentially a homegrown ATS. Uh, it was powered by by one of the sort of the the, the the big name ATSs in the back end, but the sort of the actual UI that me and my colleagues used it was a homegrown. We had a whole product team focused on building recruiting tools because. Oh, wow. yeah. It was, it was such a big part of, yeah. you know, 
Uber was the fastest growing company ever, right? So when yeah, they were thinking about yeah. what, what's a core competency for us, yeah. hiring was one of those things. So they really yeah. invested in it, but it, it just wasn't, um, it was more sort of replacement of off the shelf things as opposed to like actually taking the technology to the next level. Yeah. I, love, I mean, uh, that for me is like another conversation I'd like to explore elsewhere because I know that Facebook as well, they do exactly the same. Yeah. Um, they've created their own, they've got their own tools, they're not using this sort of their own products. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I've got some great, great people that you can speak to on that if that becomes yeah. something. Awesome. Google tried to commercialize, didn't they? they? They actually let their ATS out to market for a long time. And by the way, it was it was pretty good. We were using it internally for some time. I really liked the UI of it. it was very um, uh, we, we were used to it already, right? Because we we're all using Gmail, so it was really common. It linked in with all the tooling that we already had elsewhere. But yeah, it's interesting when you start getting to these megalithic you know, fast scalers that what, what they start to, uh, you know, use internally and yeah. So, yeah. so, so sorry, you, you, you're, you're at Uber, you're frustrated with hiring. Uh, what takes you then to, from the leap? Yeah. So, so as long, as well as being sort of having this experience at Uber, which was again, a un, I mean, it's not unique experience because obviously there are thousands of people at Uber, but it was unique to me. It was my first sort of experience mm -hmm. of this just ridiculously fast hiring while trying, while trying to maintain this high quality bar. At the same time, I was also just frankly a bit of a nerd for startups. Like I was, it was for me, it was almost like a spectator sport. I was just like, you know, you couldn't get me off sort of like the Twitter or TechCrunch just to see what was going on. So I've mm. always had in mind that I wanted to, to start something and was uh, fortunate, I would say, like probably maybe the most fortunate thing uh, in my professional life um, that I'd met Sharia, who was who's the other co-founder of MetaView. I'd met him at my previous company. He'd gone on to join Palantir on their engineering team while I was at Uber. Um, and so we both had these, this sort of like emergent obsession about mm. like, how can these amazing companies start to actually have a hiring sort of flow, a hiring workflow that matches up because how, how sort of high quality they are at everything else. Um, uh, him and I sort of jammed on a few almost like phrases that, you know, motivated both of us. And the, the one that we landed on was, how how can we make it so that no bad hiring decision is ever made again so uh, really simple ridiculously hard to achieve we're probably never going to quite achieve that that thing but that's the the sort of the the mission that united us and uh, yeah. we sort of pretty quickly from that point started to realize again our, from our perspective as as hiring managers what we sort of understood to be the sort of the real inflection point in a in a in a hiring process where the interviews is when you spoke to this person Whenever you're in a debrief, what are you talking about? You're talking about what you learn in the interview. So that's the whole, that's, that's the whole point. That's how you're going to make your decision. So we, we sort of realized that if you had no idea what's happening in your interviews, you're never going to achieve high quality hiring. And so we set about uh, solving that. Um, the, the problem I'd say has, you know, we, we were at that point, we were outsiders to recruiting, right? So we were hiring managers five years ago. We've now been working in the recruiting industry for, for five years. But at the start of that, we were relative outsiders and maybe, you know, Maybe if we knew then what we know now, we would have been too sort of put off by the, the scale of how do you, who do you need to sort of, the, the sort of circuitous route you need to take in order to solve these problems. But um, obviously went into it quite wide-eyed and, and full of enthusiasm. Now realize there's a whole lot more to it. The, the, the product has changed a bunch as part of that. And sort of obviously our sort of understanding of the recruiter's role in all of this has deepened quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that we focus a lot on, on their use cases and the things that tend to slow, that, slow them down. But uh, that was the sort of the starting point. That's a really interesting yeah. view of it, isn't it? Because you were, you came into it from a HM point of view, feeling the pain points. 
but like and you mentioned there's like such a big challenge to avoid bad hiring like it it really is but is the recruiter central to this to solving that not always the case it's not always the case right that the recruiter can can change the outcome the hiring process and you are right it's and you know i don't this is i don't know this is like a a light bulb moment (laughs) but it is in every step that is a touch with the candidate is the an exposure point isn't it there are that's where all the variables come in uh we control everything else but is it that moment that things start to to turn to chaos um that's if you think about how many how many you know very rarely will you have the same interview panel for every candidate for the same role. So you're introducing variants at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to actually see those candidates quickly, usually you'll optimize more for speed than you will for consistency of panel. So you'll have, hey, listen, we want to this. We think this is a great candidate. We want to make sure we interview them. You know, this week, who's yeah. available to do it? Let's get them in. So you 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 accept this sort of um, sort of this 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 variance and maybe this inconsistency in return for mm-hmm. speed, um, but it. Obviously, in the long run, does that make you faster? Yes or no? It's, it's not super clear, but yeah, totally. The, the one one way to think about this is when you start hiring, you have like a very small number of people involved in this process. It's the recruiter and the, and you know collaborating with the HM, hopefully pretty tightly to understand the the role, the type of candidates we're looking for. Obviously, get a few candidates in front of them, and it's quite a small group. And then suddenly, when you find candidates you're excited by, the number of people involved just balloons. And like, how is anyone going to sort of control the, all the variables and it's, it's really hard yeah. now again we focus still a lot on that those early exchanges the sort of the relationship between the recruiter and the hiring managers is maybe like the workflow between those two folks right now is probably the, the most important part of our our product um but uh so, so i don't, I don't want to sort of i think that's that we shouldn't sort of forget that's really important too yeah. but yeah for sure there's this inherent inconsistency when you have six different people involved in the like the the, the panel interviews yeah i think it's, it's really unique that you've come into the market with the hiring manager lens, but also you've come to it to fix the the hiring manager. Whereas when you look at all the other TA tech out in the market, there, you know, no one comes in automatically and says, this is a hiring manager experience. We need to improve it. We need to change it. Most of it's always, well, majority is aimed at recruiters. Some bits obviously to the candidate side. There's very few for the hiring manager. Yeah. What, what, what well, do you think, what do you think that is? I, I, I think that was our starting point because yeah. we were scratching our own itch. But yeah. I, I think over time we've, um, you know, the products matured quite a lot to the point where yeah. um, actually more and more it's focused on the, the recruiter yeah. um, use cases, still in service of the same same goal. So w- one of the things that we sort of learned actually is, well, what is the reason why sometimes as a hiring manager, I was getting frustrated by some of the, the quality of some of the candidates that were put in front of me or the ability for might me to believe that the recruiter truly understood what I was trying to explain to them during the intake meeting. Mm. And this is the type of, you know, yeah. all of these, type, like I obviously looked at it maybe like selfishly as a hiring manager, like, hey, you know, we can solve some of these things, you know. Yeah. What I've realized, of course, is that this is primarily due to the fact that recruiters have so much to do. So, of course, when they're weighing up what to do with their N working hours per day, yeah. uh, they have to make trade offs of like speed versus quality. And mm. really, as a hiring manager, I was a, I don't want to say a victim of that situation. That sounds way too, way too much. But that was what I was feeling was the symptoms of that situation mm. more so than a, um, hey, technology can solve the judgment issues here. No, that's not the case. Actually, if you can empower recruiters to focus more on the things that they are actually, you know, better than everyone else in the, in in that company, which is relating to people, understanding people, 
influencing people, then that's the really healthy place to get to. And as a byproduct of that, you'll get happier HMs who feel that they've really got a talent advisor on their shoulder, i.e. the recruiter, um, uh, and they'll have more efficient hiring as a result and spend less time interviewing because the calibration with the, with the recruiter is there. So yeah, just to reiterate, much as we came to this from the hiring manager's perspective, this is what I mean about being wide-eyed about it at the time. What we've learned over time actually is if you want really happy hiring managers, you almost have to sort out the, like help the recruiters as much as you can yeah. to, to make that happen because they're the people who obviously work most closely with those HMs. And it's not like you don't help HMs either, right? Because with you know with 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 the recording of an interview, we're also I, I saw your release today, we're, and I'm sure we're going to go into that a little bit more a bit later on. But uh, of you know recall information from meetings, super that's insanely super important for a recruiter doing that at speed. Like I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been trawling through interview notes trying to remember like what did we agree the salary was for this or what was their current benefits pack. Like, oh, we can yeah. have to try and review to review where where are we gonna uh, close, right? Because we we that's where we start to cross off in that sales world. Like, where is the best deal going to come from? We need to know that as well. Recalling that information is super important. So, I can imagine as a hiring manager and having been one as well, having that uh, power at my fingertips to be able to go. Let me just recall that pain point that we discussed. I wasn't happy with that moment, or I am happy with that moment. I just want to recall it to reference it. Which again, like we said, will We'll unpack a bit later on. That's yeah, super yeah, powerful. Yeah. So you haven't, even though by proxy tried to focus on supporting recruiters, you haven't also forgotten your HM background, which to your point, Darren, I find interesting because I find a lot of a lot of recruiter tech is built by non-recruitment folk solving a recruiting problem without deeply understanding how it works. Um, and they're 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 yeah, making yeah. things as they go. I remember doing a demo with Otter when it first launched, and just thinking like how their search functionality was like causing so much of so much pain for us they fixed it over time basically chris completely agree it's still very relevant for, for hiring managers i think what we're i guess maybe to sort of create an analogy for what we've learned is interviews are the point where hiring becomes like very much a team sport there's lots of people involved all of a sudden in deciding who's going to join the company and so of course all of those stakeholders for want of a better word are important the interviewer the recruiter the hiring managers maybe the person signing off the rec whatever it might be they're all important but the reason we have this focus on recruiters is just because i think there's a real desire and a real opportunity for recruiters to increasingly become a captain of that team which i think people often talk about wanting to be and like being able to lead that hiring that sort of tiger team that comes together to make this hire just never been in the position to actually do it because they also had to be the, be the scribe for the meetings and the sort of the cat herder for the for the interviewers and like all of this sort of and you know, stuff that's not so much fun. The chat bot. The, yeah, yeah. The, every, the everything in between and let you guys like we we've always really felt like we're facilitating your excellence, right? We're freeing up your time and actually now we can come in and be uh, super impactful. But you mentioned it, right? Advisory. Uh, element yeah. Uh, yeah. to talent, which is where we all, I think, Darren, as purists, right, want to be. Yeah, you want to be. You want to be a doing. A, you want to be a partner. And I think, like you, you mentioned, maybe taking your words, but you know, remove the drudgery really from the the day to day, the the admin that you have to do, and actually add value where you have this conversation, provide data, um, you know, provide like you, like you just got there, succinct notes, kind of information, you know, your fingertips as well. You can, you can call upon. Yeah, totally. 
And so I've got a question about, um, the, I mean, every time whenever a company launches a product, that, it, that product, they, that idea they had, it never becomes the actual final product. Uh, everyone goes on that journey. Um, it'd be great to hear about your, your product story as well uh, when you started back in yeah. 2018. Yeah, so what we started with was, um, uh, again, a real reflection of our immediate past at that point, which is we were, we were product people. And mm -hmm. what we sort of thought was, hey, if we want to solve this problem of these like too many bad hiring decisions being made, we're going to need to understand what's happening in interviews. How do you understand what's happening in any process? You have observability, you have data, you have dashboards. So what our first sort of thought was, if if we could build a dashboard for the interview process about what's actually happening in the interview process, couldn't we empower recruiters and talent leaders to be like the product manager of the hiring process? So still like completely aligned, frankly, with what we're building towards. But what we realized with that product was one, this is still still true today, I'd say, um, the actual, um, how actionable that aggregate level data is, there's too many, too, too much nuance and too many caveats. Like the candidate is different every time. You don't know if hiring that candidate was a good outcome or a bad outcome because they might be the wrong, they might be the wrong fit. Or if you said no to them, that could have been someone great, you know, or it could have been a right decision to say no to them. And, you know, so there's too many variables and too much nuance within the conversations to actually make really actionable insights at the aggregate level. And so our journey, I think, has been, you know, s slowly over that time, we realized you need to get right down to in the weeds tactics with the people like tactical changes for the people who are involved in our day to day in order to actually make impact um, and so we went this on this journey from aggregate level analytics to uh, essentially using recordings to train and train interviewers and make them more consistent which is still a part of our product to be clear it's just it's it's, it's it didn't it didn't give us the sort of the traction and the sort of the the, the sort of the like people now pulling their products off the shelves really for us now yeah. and then slowly migrated to this this very short time to value products we have right now which is focus on helping people who run a lot of interviews mm. tend to be recruiters most of the time to focus completely on just running great conversations and saving them time processing that conversation afterwards so when i say processing that conversation i mean um you know informing the hiring manager about the, the sort of the overview of the candidate or filling in scorecards or uh, whatever it might be. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we sort of went from this, this journey, funny enough, as, as our, as our products almost became simpler, yeah. uh, it became more powerful yeah. for people. It reminds me of that. Um, just thinking about it, it reminds me, I, think, I can't remember who said the quote, so I should look up really, but there's some quote, there was something like, uh, sorry, sorry, this letter is so long. I didn't have time to make it shorter. Mm. They're like, what we really did was edited the product right down yeah. to find what is the real kernel of, of leverage and power here. And so, yeah, that's sort of how that, how, how that went. That's the core of all great products today, right? They, they solve something that's super painful, super narrow, and then they develop out from there. Is there anything that you're seeing fast approaching as part of, that's going to be part of the story? And I, I know you spoke about it a little bit today. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah. So one of the, so when we first, um, launched a lot of our, I, uh, essentially with this, 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 uh, uh, when we really t strapped this AI turbocharger on the back of the products, which started about, you know, started this calendar year, so about February, March this year, um, the, the sort of the, the product was really just around your notes. So we replace your need to take notes. What we're increasingly doing is, um, which again, still really important part of why people love the product. Um, what we're increasingly also doing though is using 
using the fact that we're capturing this insight and structuring this previously unstructured data, which is what you're hearing from candidates, is we're just enabling you to answer questions about what happened in conversations too. So we're going to be investing a lot in the, the actual AI assistant that uh, sits within MetaView and also the sort of the downstream workflow for a candidate. So how can I as a, as a recruiter make it so that um, I can automatically know that the hiring manager didn't cover this competency in their hiring manager screen because they got really sort of, they went down the rabbit hole in this other, other attribute. Yeah. And actually we can, no need to sort of re-interview them. We can just make sure the next interviewer is someone who's trained at this other, this attribute that was missed. And we just like dynamically uh, address the sort of the, the interview flow based on what happened in these interviews. This is the type of thing, again, everyone's aware that it would be great to be able to do that, but realistically, you may be able to find the time to sort of debrief to that depth with the hiring manager to know we didn't cover this thing, therefore this person needs to cover. It's just, you know, who's got time for that? Whereas actually when you have this um, this 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 AI co-pilot that's present throughout your workflow, you suddenly have the ability to do a lot of these things. So you'll see a lot more um, focus, and I guess when we demo the product, we'll see what I mean by this assistant, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, you'll see a lot more sort of focus on, yeah, how the assistant can basically make your workflow much more liquid, um, nice. uh, more accountability. More powerful. Yeah, yeah. More accountability for sure. I think. Well, actually, what I would say on the accountability side, I, I can imagine a world where my metaviewers, the product, might lean into sort of encouraging that more. What I would say now is the case, though, is we see metaview as a productivity tool for the human beings who use it. Mm -hmm. So we're not gonna. Our product does not hold people to account. Mm -hmm. There's obviously this emergence of, of co-pilots in different within different pieces of software and some are more ephemeral and sort of follow you around some sit within like an application you're already using the way that we see things going is that one thing that is not going to change as a result of this ai revolution which i'm obviously a big believer there's things are going to fundamentally change yeah. there is going to be a lot of disruption like when i think about it in software stack there's going to be a lot of disruption. Be winners and losers mm -hmm. clearly like some 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 tools that we think of now as really important are going to stop being important some at some point in the future in, is my is like well it's not an opinion I just think it's a fact. Yeah. Um, anyway you, what, the way we see things going is that the thing that's not going to change is the outcomes people care about and so for in a recruiting case that's obviously things like time to fill quality of hire offer acceptance rates these things these are still going to be the sort of the landmarks or the, the hallmarks of a great recruiting function a great recruiting team a great great hiring process so we think AI will align behind those things and that essentially means that AI is going to be more workflow specific and that's what we're looking to build. Now, the workflow that we're focusing on right now is interviewing, because there's a ton of drudgery, there's a ton of pain on <laughs> interviewing. And really interestingly, there's a ton of data within interviewing that you're currently missing out mm -hmm. on. So when I think about how the, the sort of a couple of areas that we are focusing on helping our customers right now that will that are more like themes that we think will stand the test of time for the next five to 10 years, a big chunk of it is around automation. So anything that's like really painful to do, or boring, or tedious, just slows you down. There's a lot of that stuff that exists around interviewing that we try and help with. And then the other is detection, which is detecting things that you previously would have been imperceptible to you. Because unless you were going to sit on every single interview that all of your candidates ever went through with the rest of the hiring team, you'd never pick up on, on these mm. things. And even then, you'd probably miss mm. things anyway. So detection is a really interesting sort of theme within interviewing because, again, you're going from this world of this deluge of unstructured data that you're receiving during an interview process, which used to just be, you know, 1% of it was noted down in the ATS and then like, go on, try and design a better process based on that. Impossible. Um, is go going from that to, well, you know, 
80 plus percent of it now is being structured and understood and 100 percent of it is queryable by you if you want to sort of if you have a hypothesis and want to want to ask a question about it so uh, those two themes are are we only see that being we only really see it possible to 10x the quality of recruitment if you focus on the workflow as opposed to just individuals that are yeah or like the, just the individual behavior or action yeah. that someone is, is trying to yeah. trying to yeah, it's similar to sort of the similar the what Basecamp talk about and um, or their head product hey, which is around workflows rather than workarounds, and it's trying to build that. Mm, I like that. Uh, trying to build that within um, within the actual end to end process. A moment where do you see where is MetaView from start to finish, and then whereabouts you know where can it go as well for you? Yeah. So what we are right now is um, a, 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 a tool that helps primarily with the key conversations that matter within recruiting. Mm -hmm. So we've obviously built up this, um, I think we're probably most well known for interviewing. Yeah. Recently, we've also um, deployed uh, products that work for intake meetings and debrief mm -hmm. meetings. So we think about soup to nuts, the key conversations that you as a recruiter and you as a hiring team are involved in as part of hiring, they all have valuable data in them. And actually, they all sort of can inform each other if only we could make more use of it. So anyway, I don't want to go too, too far into that. That's what we see ourselves as right now is the key conversations within the yeah. recruiting process. They are um, unmined sort of that their minds that there's, there's lots of gold yeah. in those conversations. We're both helping you extract that gold more effectively, but also then like leverage it during the course of your process more effectively. Yeah. too. that's what we do right now yeah. in the in the longer term. Obviously, there's no reason like because so much of so much key hiring data is within those conversations, we think it makes a total sense that over time we'll be able to help with things that aren't so directly related to the conversation. Yeah. So, for example, um, uh, if you're during your intake meeting um, having uh, like this really deep conversation with the HM about various roles they're looking for, what are you going to do as a recruiter after that? Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to book out some time in your calendar, maybe two days later or something, to actually reflect on everything you you gathered from the hm try and maybe find some example profiles to see if you're like roughly calibrated mm -hmm. with what i'm saying well actually maybe maybe our product will be able to help with that and while there while you're having this conversation we can start to you know bring up a profile and say hey is this the type of yeah. is this and actually make really tight in those collaborations so that you as the recruit again as the recruiter are the one who was like truly empowered to advise them on hey whether this matches up with the market does this not mm -hmm. do you need to like think differently about this so um, yeah, I think you'll see Metaview move into more of those areas where we can we can use this data asset yeah. we have, which is is, is conversations, to actually help you in various ways. I'm so yeah, so excited about this because I've been talking about this for a while. How I don't see a product at the moment that's able to take the intake call, which is where you're getting all the information from the manager, what experience, what skills. If you're able to bring in the CVs as well, what kind of things they'd like. For that, all that information to be recorded and summarized where you can then essentially share that with you know, essentially candidates as well or eventually when it comes to the interview it's the checklist it's a case of this is what the hiring manager said he's looking into to create a you know coordinated checklist with a screening call for the recruiter likewise to check on that and then when you go to the interviews or the panel interviews it's kind of that natural flow is all kept together and if we think about yeah agencies as well so agencies don't often have that kind of one-on-one -on -one with a hiring manager normally it's someone so, you know, you might have someone in TA or a recruiter sitting with them and then they obviously cascade those job adverts into to the recruiters. But they miss that that you know, that information that's recorded there and you get like a snippet of, you know, the, you know here's the job advert, yeah. there's an opportunity there, you know, all those are, all those calls now recorded and then the agencies are then set up as well with way, with way more yeah. data than they had before. 
there's a big there's yeah you, you and you mentioned a couple of really interesting points there as well like around so let's take that same conversation again intake meeting mm-hmm. ai our ai notices based on this intake meeting i think we should change the job description because actually a bunch mm-hmm. of the stuff you just talked about nothing to do with this hey I, here's some changes i'm suggesting for you already yeah. just click yes if you're happy or go and change it yourself and guess what it looks like the job ad actually doesn't reflect the key thing we're looking yeah. for so we might not get so very good inbound if we leave it this way. This is what I mean by there's so much data in those conversations that already because we're losing so much of it as a recruiter, you're only really actioning like a small percentage of it, partly because you, you're not capturing it, partly because again, there's only so much time in the day. Like, can you really go afford to go and fix all of these things? No, you need to get some candidates in front of the HM. So um, yeah, I think there's like, that, that's that's where we get, that's what, that's what we're really excited to try. And, There's try a major and point as well, I think that a lot of people miss on intake meetings is it's full of goddamn value propositions that you need to, you, like, I'm not going to recall because I don't live in that world. It's really hard mm. for me to do that. So not tracking them. And I think, I think like I, I'm, I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to try and test it before we jumped to this call, but I wanted to see if we could draw out cause we have been using it for intake meetings as well. Um, and I want oh, nice. to see if we could recall like three value propositions that we pulled out of the intake meetings uh, from from the assistant. Unfortunately, I didn't have time, but I'll ping you if I once I've had it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to do a great job of it. But like that's, I feel that those sessions are so underutilized as from an intake point of view. We record all of them, uh, and Darren, good. Like you just made me think of a really cool way of running them. Is that there should be podcasts, right? Well, they could be like it's a great piece of content. I think for hung- anyone. Yeah. The yeah. Is that a hung thing? I think I think Hung actually asked you so a while back to say, can you do the same for podcasts? Where, mm, yeah, uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously you're not pivoting, but someone out there in the market that is useful. These conversations, you know, you can just kind of glean and take and take some information. Mm. Um, one of the things you touched on uh, already in the conversation, but I want to see if you can just um, just go over it again, which is you gave at a talk um, at Wreckfest, you you shared a really exciting, like interesting framework about AI um, as what if you just kind of give us a sort of a short summary of that framework? Yeah. So um, the, the sort of the, the, the subjects or the title of the talk was, is how AI will save recruitment. And I think the, the sort of the, the key pillars of the way we're thinking about things is, okay, there's a lot of um, like naturally, and I, I don't even say incorrectly, it's not necessarily incorrect, but there just tends to be a, a, just as much as excitement about, AI and how it's going to impact the world. There's obviously lots of fear as well. Um, and I, I'm not, well, I'm not positioned well enough to sort of comment on that for like the world and like the macro conditions. Like that's not my, uh, that's beyond my, that's beyond me. But what I do sort of know having worked in recruitment now for, for five years and obviously spent a lot of time speaking with folks like you and building product for people like you and sort of seeing how you react to it is that uh, recruiting is in a really, recruit people in recruitment are in a really, I think, positive position because the, the 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 product you work on is essentially is essentially humans, mm. and obviously, whereas if you're someone who is a sort of a someone who also works at a desk primarily, but your your main interaction are with pieces of software, um, then yeah, there's a there's gonna be a lot of really substantial disruption there, and maybe some of the key things that you felt you were sort of uniquely placed to bring to the table are gonna be heavily impacted by AI. But if you're you know, really as a recruiter, a lot of the time you're interacting with software, that was the stuff that was getting in the way. What you really wanted to be doing was was talking with, with human beings, mainly candidates, but often hiring managers and folks like that as well to influence them, to understand them and this sort of thing. So that's like the crux of it. The fact that there's 
this, these human interactions are so central to recruiting means that I think AI is going to help us fast forward to this world that a lot of recruiters said they always wanted to be in, which is I want to have time to advise HMs. I want to have time to actually get to know candidates. I want to have time to, you know, not, I don't want to speak to a hundred candidates really superficially and see which ones, you know, and thinking about as much information as I could have got from their resume anyway. I want to find, you know, five five candidates who I understand really well and can really advocate for the hiring team and help and help them understand why this why I think this person is a great fit. So that's what I think is going to happen. Um, so that's one sort of fear is like, hey, is this really going to negatively impact recruiting especially? I would say yes, there's a lot of tasks that recruit that a lot of recruiters currently do that are going to cease to be important to recruiting. But I think we should you should see that as a opportunity, not a threat, because the crux of it is is actually now the expectations, the bar's being raised there. We, recruiters are going to be expected to be that, that that person that is really good at persuading people, really good at influencing people, understanding people. And that's, you know, fine. If, if there are some recruiters out there who don't think they're good at that stuff, okay, that's a really big problem. If actually you're one of those recruiters who's thought, well, that's what I'm really good at. That's where I know I'm like, you know, top 10% in this company. Embrace then that. great, you're going you're gonna to have time, more time to do that. Yeah. So that's, I think, the, 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 the central thing. The second thing is, that it, uh, even as a result of that, people think, well, isn't there going to be a, a ton less work for us to do? And isn't that just going to affect the, the industry as a whole? Um, again, I think there's like some macro economics that, again, is beyond beyond me on this. But what I would say is that if you, as a recruiter, start spending more of your time on the things that are like truly differentiated and require like your, you know, a, a skilled person to do, which is, you know, which is not sort of frankly, like scheduling interviews and, you know, um, sourcing hundreds and hundreds of profiles, then your value is going to go up. It's just really simple. It's just, it's very simple economics. If you're doing something that most people can't do really well, then your value increases. So again, whether there's like a higher, you know, more people employed in recruitment in future or fewer people employed in recruitment, I can't speak to. What I feel really confident about is the people that are in recruitment, the people that sort of seize the moment within recruitment to become true experts in Sort of these these human interactions um, will become in higher demand. Those individuals will be in higher demand. You know, I hope, and I hope that reality is 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 what happens because I do feel like there is no source of truth, no standard in TA or in recruiting at all. Right? I mean, Darren, I don't know about you, but I was eighteen, given a black book. I've learned everything from reading and doing. Um, uh, you know, over time and, and being obsessed with it. Right? Um, you that, and that's why I think the industry can't find its it's, you know, it's baseline uh, at any point. And I think AI is going to drive us to be like better and create that. Okay, cool. So now you are central to the recruiting process. You're not just a facilitator or a, or an admin element to business. And I was, I was chatting to someone the other day, I can't remember who it was, but about how like early TA leaders, when they come in, it's really difficult to get outside of cost and uh, cost center, like just being a cost saving center. We want to drive really early the value of long-term benefit of TA, not just, uh, hey, we can just make hiring cheaper for you because we yeah. we know how to use the tools. We're going to bring the tools in and then we're going to make it super quick and that makes it cheaper um, for you. We want to really try and think about how does TA drive that top line growth? Um, how does it like mitigate some bottom end stuff, but really how does it drive top line and get out of this mid ground? And I think AI is going to be a huge facilitator of that, which is, you know, again, I can't tell you how much I'm, I'm in love with MetaView at the moment. And I don't, that's mad. I'm, I'm mad biased because I am a customer, um, <laughs> but how much time is saving my team to allow them to do the work that they want to be doing 
and B, uh, Adriana, my business partner, talks a lot about being top of license, right? We want people to be at the top of the license because it's way more interesting and it drives the brain and, and then people want to learn and they get more curious and that's where they get better. Not sitting there doing admin and thinking, this sucks, I want to do something else. Like I'm, I'm done with my career in recruiting and we've all been there. I'm sure you've been there, Darren, as well, mm -hmm. right? I've been fatigued with being in recruiting before because it does feel like just scheduling interviews for some guy who doesn't, he's not interested in listening to what I've got to say. He just wants some help. You know what I mean? So um, I'm super excited about what AI, like what it can do. Um, so you, you mentioned, obviously, there's a, a three-part framework as well that you shared on uh, the breakfast talk. Do you want to just go into a little bit of detail about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I sort of talked about a couple of these things already, which is really where Meta mm -hmm. spends most of the time right now, which is um, automation and detection. I think there's another sort of, uh, sort of, uh, sort of the third, the third leg to this stool is recommendation or decisions. So if you think about, uh, and, and really what this is, is a framework, when you say frameworks, for me, it's a framework for if as a, as a person who might be interested in starting to leverage AI, where should I be looking to leverage it? Now, first of all, you don't want to be adopting AI for AI's sake. You do want, but you do want to be thinking, is there something I'm assuming about my day to day that has to be that way that actually doesn't anymore? And so the way I would think about it for you, for recruiters, first of all, think about, are there things that I do on autopilot? Um, if so, find something that can automate those things. Or if you can't find something, build something that's going to automate those things because you'll make, you'll make a significant company make a lot of money. Um, so uh, automation is a key. And the way I think about that again is if you if you think to yourself, I can do this with autopilot, well, then very soon there is going to be an autopilot that's going to do that. So you definitely don't want to be spending your time doing that thing because it's not going to, not going to be there in the future. So that's automation, which MetaView, again, is, is a big part of what we do. The second bucket that I think AI is going to be really useful for is detection. So things that we'd love to know about our workflow, about our process that we previously couldn't because it just wasn't conceivable to be able to structure all this data and then, you know, write the query in order to extract that information and have the data be clean enough and all these things. That's also sort of really significantly um, become much, much, much more possible all of a sudden. You know, again, what I understand most is around conversations. The fact that we can now capture conversations and then query what happened in like every conversation you've ever had with a candidate in just like natural language means you can just detect things that previously you couldn't. And then of course, over time, AI will detect those things for you proactively rather than waiting for you to ask the question. So that's another bucket that I think about. Are there things that you'd love to know that you previously have thought, well, it's impossible for us to know this because maybe you can know them now. Uh, and then the third one, which I think is the one that creates a lot of the anxiety, even though I don't think it's where most actual AI tool, impactful AI tools are spending their time is around decisions. So can you start to rely on AI to make some of your decisions for you? So we don't get involved in this at all. Obviously, there are other tools, I'm sure, that do. do not, I don't think there's anyone who's sort of really getting involved in making final hiring decisions using AI. But there are sort of, obviously, AI tools that get involved in filtering out candidates, which I would count as a decision. Obviously, you have to decide, you're using the AI to, to decide something. So I think in that world, you want your, your due diligence needs to be exceptionally high because, you know, we've all heard sort of some, like, horror stories around how, you know, a rogue AI goes and sort of, I don't know, disqualifies every female candidate or something like this. Um, you, you need to make sure you understand how those decisions are being made because you're still accountable for those decisions. Even if you say, I'm going to use AI to make these decisions, you as the organization or as the human being in the loop are still accountable. So I, I 
one of the reasons MetaView spends most of its time in automation and detection is because it's much more clear that the value is there because it, if you keep using it, then it's clearly valuable to you. Whereas the decisions, you know, you can invisibly be making mistakes without knowing and thinking that AI is helping you and actually it's not. And so I think you need a lot more kid gloves around how we introduce that into our process. The, the, the counter view of that is don't get wrapped around the axle of AI making decisions for you because there are these other two buckets where you can still get a ton of value out of. And guess what? That's going to free you up to be better at decisions because you're going to have more information at your fingertips and more time to actually, you know, sweat, sweat the details of those, those decisions. So, uh, yeah, that's the sort of the, the way with the, the, I think about the, uh, how to adopt AI. Where MetaView stores the data of the, uh, the actual client data, how secure is the data and is it used by other sort of, um, LLMs as well? Um, yeah, I mean, not at all. Um, uh, well, sorry, not at all. Is it used by LLMs? Not, not at all. Is it secure? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, we, we use, um, uh, a couple of, uh, third party LLMs, like big names that you would have heard of, like really powerful, really powerful uh, models, obviously, um, as part of being a, a partner with, with them, you have options around how you engage. Um, we engage with them in a way that means that the, the data that is entered into, that is, that is sort of entered into the, into those models is not used for training their models. So really simply, it's not actually part of, it doesn't become part of the training data. From a sort of, uh, uh, a sort of a broader data ownership perspective, MetaView is a processor of data and we have sub processors such as, you know, OpenAI and uh, Anthropic and these sorts of companies. Um, uh, but the controller of the data is always our customer. So if we, yeah, we, we obviously work with 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 Move and and Chris, and so they're the controller of the data. They determine when the data gets deleted. Uh, they determine, you know, who has access to that data. All of those things are determined by the customer, not not by us. We're a processor. Um, so I guess that's the sort of high level way those things work. And I just I guess from like a hey, how much should I be wary of this? It's obviously a like if people are again considering adopting AI, they should definitely be. They should definitely ask these questions and have people like me give them a good, an answer that they're satisfied with and get that in writing and all those things for sure. It's the responsible thing to do. Um, but of course, don't, don't let that stop you from exploring things because as you mentioned, Microsoft is baking this into their suite of tools that are used by, you know, everything, the most valuable everything. and da data secure, data security conscious companies on yeah. the planet. So it's yeah. not a, it's not a sort of a, it's not like a mountain you have to climb in order to use these tools, but it is obviously something you should ask. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, thanks, thanks for joining us. Been excellent. Been good fun. Thanks for thanks for the demo. Yeah. Thanks for the chat. Really, really enjoyed it. Okay. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank Cheers, you. Darren. Appreciate it. That's it for this week's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe, follow, download, or order on VHS. But most importantly, share with your TA friends. This has been TA Tech Unboxed. Signing off. <laughs>